0: Morning, guys. Uh, how are you doing? It is Friday, so I have a little out of breath. I'm just doing a quick uh, exercise bike um, before I get in the car to drive because I've since had this thrombophobitis. like to keep the blood flowing. Just a quick one, actually, quick thoughts about the World Cup. I'm very excited. The uh, innocent eight-year-old boy inside has definitely uh, fed up again. Just the thought of three games a day and kind of beautiful summer sun, hopefully, in Russia and that kind of brightness and those wonderful memories of, of childhood that come back and that kind of I think actually looking at the Brazil squad and just thinking that maybe Marcelo, the left back there, could have a sort of starring role of Brazil. Go for a sixth title, he could um, actually be an instrumental figure in it, given how um, skilful he is going forward. Uh, but an intro- another side to the whole thing that I'm just kind of curious about is that nostalgia as well. And I read a piece about the 1978 World Cup by a guy called Will Hersey in the UK version of Esquire, which is definitely worth um, a look at, because it looks at... Um, tournament being in Argentina and a military junta basically uh, run the country at that time. Now they had a hospitable festival of football, very convivial, very uh, bright, a lot of money invested into it, lots of um, theatre spectacular, Argentina won it on home soil under a left wing manager, actually a guy that was more sort of communist leanings which was interesting um, but he told his players to do it for the, do it for the bakers and the butchers not the uh, the guys in charge of the country at the time, but a few hundred yards from the main stadium, I believe in Buenos Aires, where they were playing the World Cup, the big games. Uh, there were opponents or people that the uh, ruling regime didn't like being tortured, and it kind of made me think, wow, you kind of get that rose-tinted feeling that you look past it. So that's definitely an article worth reading, and I hope we don't read in the future anything about that now. You hope that the internet illuminates these matters for all its woes that people talk about, but... Anything untoward is going on in a country hosting an event that that would come to light through social media, through the internet, um, because of the communication, how the world has shrunk since 1978 massively, hasn't it? That's only a few years before I was born. Um, but it was a World Cup that Cruyff didn't go to, apparently with Netherlands favourites. They lost to Argentina in the final, but Cruyff, the talisman, not there because actually he'd been kidnapped previously. So it shows the dark side of football it wasn't so much connected to the, the military junta in charge. Uh, but that nostalgia is kind of fascinating I've got the history of football channel That I've begun watching after much uh, encouragement on social media Watched the sort of, start of the Italian 90 stuff The last night documentary reviewing um, that tournament Which for me is kind of emblazoned on my mind and heart Just because I think it was 8 to 9 during the tournament And first real kind of love affair with football I'd watched the league title the past couple of seasons in England But I, I preferred playing football But at that point it just really kind of gripped me The whole spectacle of watching it Uh, Paul Gascoigne was kind of enigmatic, charismatic player for England Garolinica prolific, incredible volley from David Platt against Belgium But more than that, the soundtrack by Luciano Pavarotti The great opera singer, the uh, Nessun Dorma Which I won't try and replicate on here (laughs) Because I can't speak Italian and I can't sing So it's a bit of a hamstring for that one but that kind of sense tingles down your spine. I started listening to that a bit. And also just even things like the bright, huge Rose Bowl from the USA 94, where England, my country, didn't get to yet. Yeah, it was still, for me, a huge event. The Panini stickers that I had for all the teams. Um, and just that feeling. And What made me think actually about it? And, and 98, I remember, was before... I wasn't actually 18, I couldn't drink, but 16, 17, but we went into a bar, watched it there, so it's kind of like World Cup marks, landmarks growing up, doesn't it? Maybe that's less so now, because once you're an established adult, things change or appear to change less rapidly, until you get a blood clot like I did in the root canal or something like that, when you think your body's uh, falling apart to touch. Um, but I wondered about the Qatar World Cup next time, not for the kind of inquiries into the allocation of that um, which obviously is potentially suspect but more about clearly it's going to be warm and sunny there even though it's still winter because I've got got a mate who lives in Dubai who says it'll be 20-25 degrees probably for when they play the tournament maybe warmer in November-December back end of 2018 and not about the disruption to domestic seasons in Europe and elsewhere but more about the actual spectacle for us watching because for me it's always been allied the World Cup to summer when school's coming towards a downtime maybe you're finishing your exams doing your exams perhaps before you're younger than that but school always kind of just relaxed a touch didn't it when summer was beckoning you could be in the garden watching a game or come in and play football you could go to a beer garden when you're a bit older go to your friend's house and watch just had a feeling of it long nights and i just wonder whether in cold rainy england in particular november december whether that feast of football have the same thing, whether it have the same effect on nostalgia, because part of that nostalgia I think is is tied up with listening to music and being around parties and things like that, and you tie music to the to the events, don't you? Euro '96 with the anthem, football's coming home, and things like that. So for me, nostalgia. It's interesting people that are sort of, I guess, inquisitive on the internet may be aware of Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, who came up as a wine. Entrepreneur, entrepreneur but now sort of delves into lots of different things, as a media company and he's a big personality on Instagram and Twitter in particular is where, where I follow him. Um, but he talks about the power of nostalgia. He's working with an old um, trainer or sneaker brand, he'd call it K-Swiss, bringing them back because there's that kind of affection for old brands that have lapsed like Feeler and Reebok, things from our youth um, perhaps. There's a market there to to sell. So I just think about nostalgia as a powerful one, isn't it? It kind of, you get lost in that reverie. Maybe it's not real, maybe it's a kind of distorted memory of when, of rose-tinted. But it's powerful when you think about those tournaments of, particularly of our youth. But even 2002, I remember being 2021, I think my 21st birthday was during the World Cup. I got given an England shirt by friends. I remember walking through Loughborough where I was at university after David Beckham's penalty against Argentina to earn a measure of redemption for getting sent off against the same team four years previously in 98 and we were getting tooted with horns and people yelling and cheering just because of the, I was wearing a shirt and that was a kind of a seminal moment in terms of unifying the country and I don't think the kind of jingoistic element of them and us and it breeding dislike for other countries but I think it does unify to a certain extent communities and there's some powerful nostalgia there let me know what you think favourite memories as well there's some brilliant conversations on Twitter Uh, go to Ed Draper 81 people listing their favourite World Cups typically it's the one that arrives when you're between about 7 and 11 doesn't it that's your kind of age where you kind of ripe for falling in love I think with football and (laughs) devoting all your time to it Um, but yeah Ed Draper 81 on Twitter got a few conversations there about favourite World Cups favourite players from World Cups players that dominated on the scene for a summer and then were kind of one hit wonders never really delivered to that level again I think there are summer players as well I think I was probably one of them I was always great in summer camps but November to February I felt like I had a fridge on my back um, but yeah get in touch on, on there and also posting a few things on there uh, actually posted the article as well a bit about the article in Esquire on my Instagram account which is ed underscore draper 81 on Instagram which I'm kind of feeling my way into uh, but give it a try guys hope you're well this is a kind of a a podcast slash audio blog. I hope you enjoyed the interview, which was a previous update on here with Ajibola Elise, an England under seventeen player, hopefully a senior player in the future, and hopefully breaking through to West Ham very soon. Very candid chat with him about the the politics and dynamics and the psychology of trying to make it as a player. Immense, huge competition, and uh, the importance of self belief and factors like that. So hopefully you enjoyed that. But let me know. And uh, if you review anything on iTunes, that'd be fantastic. Even if it's rubbish, good to get one. <laughs> and um, I hope you're well. I hope you have a, a great weekend. Hopefully um, get a couple of more interviews with players and ex-players soon from sports. We try and connect the dots between sport and life, what we learn from it. And um, perhaps how the two interact, microcosms of each other, or sports and microcosm of life. Cheers, dudes. Take it easy.